For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello and welcome to the European Hoops podcast. We are a Sportsitas presentation. We bring you all the coverage you need of the EuroLeague. Three times a week, every Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday, we recap and preview all the action and cover all the news surrounding the competition. Join us on this ride and learn more about some of the best basketball played in the world. Make sure you don't miss any episodes by subscribing to the podcast and follow us on Twitter at Itus EuroLeague. My name is André and these are my co-hosts Diogo Valente and Tiago Cordeiro. We are halfway into the doubleheader week and we already have plenty of surprises and high-level games to recap. The EuroLeague never stopped to amaze us. How are you doing Tiago? Welcome back. Are you excited about the EuroLeague action so far? Yeah, André, what's up guys? Hope your heart is okay after these rounds. Uh, let's talk about the thing that we like the most. How are you doing Diogo? Yeah, I'm good, guys. Let's get to it. Let's start. And on this episode, we will be recapping all the games of round 27. So we can get our listeners a timely recap, allowing them to be up to date with everything that is happening in the competition. Let's uh, waste no time and let's start recapping the games. And uh, we couldn't have started any better than with an Olympiacos against Barcelona, where the home team got the win and uh, swept the series against Barcelona this season. Olympiacos won 77-70. The MVP of the game was McKinsey. He had 16 points, one rebound, four assists and one steal. Laren Zaikis had 14 points and five rebounds and one steal. Mirotic had 19 points, seven rebounds, one assist and one block. Barcelona had a better start to the game and they were had 11-20 by the end of the first quarter. Olympiacos bench was brilliant and got them back into this game. The home team went into halftime ahead 29-27 on a very low first half. Olympiacos never looked back and got this very important win for the fight to the top of the standings. Tiago, what do you have to say about coach Bratzoka's fearless performance going into their bench unit and keeping them on the floor after they getting them back into this game? It was really nice to see uh, Coach Brasdokas dancing with uh, Olympiacos bench and not sticking with the usual rotation. So, first of all, I want to give you, Andre, uh, your shout-out because you called it first. <laughs> uh, this was a key. In my opinion, this was a key for this game because some bench guys stepped up, like you said it uh, with Lorenzakis. He played with such an art and passion. In, in my opinion, he impersonates what Olympiacos bring to the table. And about the games, uh, like you said, it Barcelona got a, a real good uh, first uh, quarter, but in my opinion, they were not playing their usual basketball because they were playing with motion and couldn't find their mismatches for the whole first. Uh, although they had their moments with La Provitola play the usual to give them an advantage. Then, in my opinion, Olympiacos with their bench unit, uh, they they kind of started to be aggressive on their offense and sharing the ball and their shots started to fall in. Uh, speaking about fall, <laughs> he played a really good, and it was a headache for Barcelona bigs and wings because they needed to close the paint for him. And then uh, he, and then Olympiacos shooters were wide open. Yeah, for me, uh, Barcelona started pretty good in the first quarter. Uh, they were taking advantage of mismatches with uh, La Provitola attacking fall off the dribble and Mirotic inside. 
They they played a very good first quarter. Uh, even though I agree with Thiago, uh, I have seen them play even better. But in the first quarter, they were they were pretty good. Um, uh, like I said, La Provitola and Miritich led the way. But then once the rotation started coming in, uh, Olympiacos bench, like, like Andres said, got them back in the game. They were playing elite defense and only allowed Barcelona to score seven points in the second quarter. And this was mostly because uh, Satoransky was in, on the bench for most of that second quarter. And uh, Barcelona's offense just struggles so much when he sits on the bench. But uh, yeah, like you guys mentioned, uh, I love what Bartzukas did, keeping his bench guys on the court instead of sticking to a, a predefined rotation. So I think that was very good. Olympiacos kept their defensive defensive intensity the rest of the game and only Mirotic and Laprovitla uh, could do some things because the rest of the team was clearly on an off night. Uh, but then again, uh, the bench uh, won the game for Olympiacos and Barcelona's bench did not meet up to the expectations. Uh, they were not good. And I think Sarunas, uh, Jessica Vicius, um, did many mistakes uh, with the subs. But Andre, I guess you were right calling this one. So shout out to you. <laughs> <laughs> I absolutely agree with Tiago when he says that Larenzakis really represents what Olympiacos does. And this is not the first time that we see him coming in and having a huge impact when the team is down and needs to, and needs to, to punch and, and come back into the game. Let's talk about the elephant in the room you, you were mentioning. And in, in our group chat, you, you were the one first bringing up the fact that Bratzokas was not sticking to his usual rotations, was, was keeping his bench lineup that got them back into the game on the, on the floor. And on the other side, we saw a coach sticking to his rotations and Sarnizasikavicius has some blame on, on this loss. And um, he needs to stop doing this for them to have a real shot in the decisive stages of the competition, doesn't he? Yeah, 100%. I mean, clearly, uh, Abrinis, um, Corey Higgins, I, I think the uh, Jakubaitis, I think that they were thrown in the game uh, at the wrong times, especially throughout the second half, because in the first half, I get it, they were still up, the game was close, and they, they kept their usual rotation. But in the second half, with Olympiacos ahead most of the time, and but it was a close game still. Like they could still win the game. So at least me, I would go to my best players. I'm not going to say the entire second half, but most of it. And he didn't do that. Uh, and then he, he took out La Provitula on a key moment. And I just think that was a mistake. Abrinich had a really tough game falling out in nine minutes. So I think La Provitula was a better option uh, when Abrinich came in. But just many of those decisions that cost them this game, in my opinion. And I think Bartzukas didn't fail at all. Uh, he was perfect in this game and he's the reason they won. It's not the lack of quality of Barcelona's bench. They they are not No, lacking. no, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> they are not lacking quality. It's the way that they use it. It's strange that you barely see them staggering like uh, Sato and Mirotic, for example. They they come out of the, the game many times at the same time. The, you, you have so many ways to use your rotations and you don't need, no need to always do the same thing. That's also why I'm so high on Barcelona to win this year. It's because they have this ability to step up a level and they are already at a very high level. They were competitive on this game, even if they lost it. And they have this ability, this uh, inbuilt upside to do even more. But uh, it's 
a lot about coaching, I think, and uh, that's something that we need to see Barcelona stepping up to, to get the Euroleague title this year. Let's move on and let's move to Berlin, where Zalgiris got a crucial win for their playoff aspirations. Alba 63, Zalgiris 66. The MVP of the game was Achille Polonara, uh, having a very good performance and helping his team, showing some improvements on their on his condition and ability to contribute. He ended the game with 9 points, 9 rebounds, 3 assists and 3 steals. Kenvarius Hayes had 8 points, 4 rebounds and 3 block shots. And Sigma had 10 points, 10 rebounds, 2 assists and 2 steals. Was, as he usually is, the best player for, for Alba. This wasn't an easy game for Zalgiris. They were able to control the game defensively and uh, slow down the pace of Alba and mostly contain their transition game. But offensive execution was a real issue for them. The visitors shot 3 of 18 from 3 and 17 of 28 from the free throw line. Late in the game, Isaiah Taylor's speed and aggressiveness were key for Zalgiris to, to secure this win. One of your favorites, Tiago Sigma, keeps delighting us with high-level basketball plays and high IQ basketball. But it wasn't enough for Alba to secure this win. It's always nice to see Sigma and my guy uh, Procida uh, playing. But about this game, um, I really liked to see Polonara being aggressive and showing what he can do. Um, and about Zalgiris, uh, we are we already talked about their rotations. Uh, because they were lacking some rotations, or they or weren't executing the uh, the rotations in the in the in a good way, but now they they adjusted kind of like it didn't took Hulanovas and Brazdekis at the same time. Uh, they kept their guard, their bench unit, uh, with some starting lineup. So it's really nice to see if they can build from here from this this win. They play with some motion and getting all guys involved. So it was a really good game to. To see from Zalgiris. What's your text about this game, Diogo? Uh, I, I agree with you, Thiago, about the, their rotations. Uh, I think uh, last game against Barcelona, um, they did a, a very poor job uh, on the rotations because they had uh, all bench units at one point and that did not go well for them at all. And on this game, they kind of mixed it up a bit more and I think that worked pretty good for them. Um, Zalgiris early, uh, early in the game, they, they're, they were getting to the paint and they were trying to push the pace and that kind of worked. But both teams were pretty solid defensively and that was a low score at low scoring game. But uh, in my opinion, uh, I picked Alba to win it, but they, they didn't have uh, the elite scoring uh, off of their guards. Um, I was expecting either Mo Dolo or Jalene Smith to, to score at a, at a high rate and that didn't happen. Uh, 10 points is, is just not going to cut it off for them uh, if they want to win games. But other than them too, I think the Alba's team is a bit limited offensively, so I think them too need to step up more. But on Zalgiri's end, uh, Isaiah Taylor did a very good job driving and making good decisions off of those drives. Uh, he had a pretty good fourth quarter. And Polonaro, like you guys mentioned, he, he played well also. So in the end, Zalgiri's was just more consistent defensively and they got stops when they needed, so they won the game. Let's move on and let's go in, on to our next game where we saw Partizan getting a very important road, road win in Bologna. Virtus 79, Partizan 88. The MVP of this game and the hero for Partizan in the fourth quarter was Dante Exum. He had 70 points, 7 rebounds, 7 assists and 3 steals. 
Kevin Panther also had a very good game for Partizan with 17 points, one rebound, one assist and three steals. While for the home team, Jordan Mickey was the best one with 13 points, nine rebounds, two assists, two steals and one block. After a strong start for the visitors, they lost their rhythm late in the first half and they were trailing 47-45 at halftime. Partizan made good defensive adjustments in the second half, allowing only 32 points from Virtus. In the fourth quarter, we had a show from Exum scoring 10 points in this quarter. Partizan keeps getting important wins. Me and Diogo favor them to lock the top eight when we were previewing our final standings and the schedule of the teams the, the rest of the way. Do you agree with us? Do you think that Partizan will be able to, to secure that spot after this very important road win? Yeah, I really do, Andre. I can see them giving a hard playoff series against any team on the top four, for sure. About this game, uh, I really want to mention because Partizan is such, a, is such a fun team to watch when they play on transitions with guys like Panther and Dante. It's really nice to see him playing on Partizan system and not in Barcelona system like he used to play. They, In my opinion, Partizan, uh, they got five or six guys who can put the ball on the basket in a efficient way so they have a lot of firepower and they can make some damage in a, any playoff series in my opinion they were lacking a lot of d uh, in the final minutes of the game because they couldn't be consistent and let mills and virtus as a whole to play and find ways to put the ball on their bigs to score easy baskets so that's why virtus on on uh, the late game situations uh, were on the game They have a lot of conditions to play uh, an elite D and have an athletic guys to be good to be a good defensive team. Uh, so for them to win a playoff series, they need to step up on on that. I agree that the the defense should be the key for Partizan's team uh, because offensively, I think they have enough talent to to compete with anybody. But they they still forced 21 turnovers for Virtus, so they were still decent, I think. Um, but like we previewed, uh, this was always going to be a close game. Uh, ultimately, Partizan is just the, the better team, and they showed that. This is a very important win for them uh, because it's a direct opponent on that playoff hunt. And Dante Exum, like you said, man, he was great in this game. And Partizan, other than him, still had a lot more contributors like Punter, Lasorte. So Partizan is a very good team, and this was a very, very important win. Shout out to them. An extremely important win. They for sure are making a big claim as being a team that deserves to stay in the EuroLeague. That's something that uh, their coach and the people around the team have been uh, asking for. And they deserve it. Their home co crowd, the the way that they are playing, the level of basketball that they are playing, they for sure belong in this Euro League, and I hope to see them in the Euro League for a long time and playing at this level. Let's move on into the next game and where Milano keeps building on their good momentum. They won their last five games. This time around in Valencia, they beat the home team 84-88. The MVP of the game was Shabazz Napier. He had 28 points, one rebound and five assists. Nicolo Melli had 11 points, seven rebounds and one assist, while Chris Jones for the home team had 90 points, two rebounds and one assist. It was a very positive surprise that we saw Napier being ready to, to play after being injured in, on the weekend in the team domestic game. But uh, with 28 points, he seemed to be in a great shape and good health so that was that was very good to see Valencia was up 11 points in the at a certain point of the first half and they went to, to halftime up three 
but Milan won third in the best possible way and had a 13-26 third quarter. Valencia, after being down 12 points they in the second half, they managed to get the game down to one point with only 14 seconds left to play. But Napier went uh, three of, from four from the free throw line and Mali had a very important offensive rebound to lock this win. Is Milano in the mix for the team that is playing the best basketball in the competition, Tiago? For sure. Mil- Milano turned out to be a really fun team to watch by the end of this season. And I'm really looking forward to see uh, if they can step up their game on the offseason and for the next season. Because in my opinion, they have the most difficult path to go to the playoff. The, the, like the teams that we that you guys previously talked about. I can see some, I can see a case from them to be in the hate spot, but it's really tough. But they're playing a, a really good basketball. It's so nice to see when they play with uh, such a nice flow, some stagger actions to free their shooters. And then, and then after that, making easy actions for their bigs, either passing after a short roll or hitting to to Melly to shoot. Uh, in Napier, he, he was, in my opinion, he, he turned out to be the best player on this team. Uh, and he bring uh, what we talked previously, because uh, Milano's offense were, was lacking a guy like Napier. So. You shout out for them. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think Napier was the guy to, to unlock uh, that whole team. Uh, they needed uh, this from the guard position, uh, a guy who can score, who could create, not only for him, but for others as well. And Napier has been amazing for them. They have won many, many games as of late. And Tiago, you talked about them freeing up their shooters. They have been shooting more threes, and they hit 15 threes in this game, and that was a big difference. Um, now having Siobhan Shields back should should help them a lot also. The, like we said earlier in the season, they have the talent. They just needed to put it together and, and start winning games. And uh, the fact that Napier came in and he was able to do that, uh, it's, it's great to see. Um, I do think it's too late for them to make a playoff push, but they're certainly going to try it and if they keep playing like this, they, they might have a shot. And not only is it too late for them to do a playoff push, they also have a very hard schedule the rest of the way, as we spoke about when we were previewing the, the playoff hunt. So it's it's hard to see them making it. They will need to win almost all the games that they have left. But um, I, I think that this uh, Milano roster is a top eight roster. So it's a team that... Um, might have a place in the in the playoffs in the future if they manage to keep together and build from the the position where they are in. But let's move on to the one that was potentially the surprise of the round, but mostly it was a game with a lot of emotion and it was disputed until the last second. Real Madrid 81, Basconia 85. The MVP of the this game was the impressive Darius Thompson. He had 18 points, 5 rebounds, 14 assists and 3 steals. Matt Costello, the hero of the game, had 20 points and 3 rebounds, while Musa was the best one for Real with 21 points, 8 rebounds, 4 assists and 1 steal. Real was up 6 points with two minutes and 24 seconds to go. Costello and Marcus Howard with uh, back-to-back three-pointers tied the game at 79 with one minute and 37 seconds left. They answered with two points, scoring the last points of Real Madrid in this game. Costello, the hero 
of the game scored two points to tie it at 81 with 36 seconds left. Then the unthinkable happened. Homas had an impressive block shot on Walter Tavares. Darius Thompson, the game MVP, still had one more assist in him, brought the ball to the offensive court and found Matt Costello that scored a game-winning three-point despite having Rudy Fernandez all over him. Impressive road win for Basconia that can have a massive impact on their playoff aspirations. Real led the first three quarters of the game but we know that Bosconi can catch fire at any given moment. And even if they scored below their points average for the season, they were able to close the game with a 23-point fourth quarter to secure this win. These are the games we live for, aren't they? For sure. Yeah, I, I used to hear that you live by the tree, you die by the tree. In this case, uh, Bosconi lived by the tree and survived by the tree. Uh, what an impressive game by Darius. I liked a lot what they did since the beginning, trying to involve... Uh, Barcelona bigs, Poirier on the screens, uh, and then kind of like passing to Kotsar, to Costello, to shoot it, Kotsar to make an easy layups. But it was really good to see uh, how Basconi offense flow. On the other end, uh, we've been speaking about uh, Basconi defense. Uh, and on this game, although it wasn't perfect, uh, they made Real Madrid uh, to commit a lot of mistakes, a lot of turnovers. So that's that freedom to play off transitions and get easy layups. Real Madrid had the game on their hand and let Basconia win a lot of offensive rebounds. And Basconia punished Real Madrid uh, by scoring uh, three, uh, some three points. Yeah, this was a, a very good game. Uh, obviously, the, the expected thing was for Real Madrid to win. But like we've been saying for a couple episodes now, uh, the key for Basconia to, to be able to compete with the, the big dogs uh, is to be somewhat good defensively and to, to hold on on that end. And like Thiago said, um, even though they allowed 81 points, they did force Real Madrid to commit 17 turnovers and they got a, a couple of fast-break points out of it. So I think I think that's what kept them in the game throughout the first three quarters. And then, but like, man, this game was all about the fourth quarter. And when it came down to it, Basconia hit six threes in the fourth and that got them back in the game and got them the lead. And then in the last minute, Matt Costello just, just put out a clinic for everybody. Uh, <laughs> getting the, the dunk to tie the game. By the way, that was a, a beautiful design play by Panaroya. It worked perfectly. Uh, got him that open dunk. And then he hit that three-pointer and one to, to win the game. That, that was amazing to see. And shout out to Homes for that block as well. Uh, this is a very bad loss for Real Madrid, though. Uh, they, they got swept in the season by Basconia, and we could be looking at a possible playoff matchup here. So I think this could be interesting. Obviously, Real Madrid would be favorite, but Basconia sh- should be pretty confident having won both games and the way they can hit up on any game. I think this would be pretty interesting to see. Real Madrid has some hard time to match the, the guard play and be able to find solutions for it, even if they have a great team. And I agree that they will be fa- uh, favorites in that uh, potential matchup. This uh, win also really increased the odds of Basconia to be able to compete for a, for a playoff spot. They were in the mix for, for the eighth spot. And uh, this is one of those situations where this um, unexpected or surprised, surprising wins uh, can give them an advantage once the regular season is done and uh, they are now closer to the playoffs. And uh, you mentioned their defensive um, 
efforts and uh, their coach have been game after game bringing it up and speaking about it and you can see that they are working to to have some level of consistency and that was the key they can outscore anyone but they need to to be able to be competent and the defensive side as well to be able to to be a consistent team and to be able to compete for for games in the EuroLeague and they certainly did it and this was a very well deserved win for them and an impressive one let's move on to the last game of day one where Bayern got the win Bayern 76 Asvel 72 the MVP of this game was Niels Giffey. He had nine points, nine rebounds, one assist, and two steals. Bonga had six points, five rebounds, two assists, and one steal. While Dibos was the best for Aswell with 18 points, two rebounds, four assists, two steals, and two blocks. The call was a light scratch for Aswell, but they managed to stay competitive by locking down the paint and slowing down the pace of the game. They forced Bayern to shoot 34 threes on this game, uh, above their 27 per game that they had heading into the, this round. Bayern was able to to fight and the 20 offensive rebounds that they got were key for them to, to secure this win. In the end, everybody at Bayern was happy to, in a not so well played basketball game, to have been able to, to get this win. It was a hard fought game. Asvel kept fi- keeps finding ways to make their opponent life, life hard, don't you think, Tiago? Yeah. Yeah, I really do. They were, as we previously talked, they were on the same tier uh, that we we got into in the in previous episodes. But Asvel uh, started really strong, eating a lot of three points. But they were letting Bayern to win a lot of offensive rebounds, and that's why Bayern uh, stayed on a game. But can we talk about Asvel's scoring report? Because they were letting Obst alone in the three-point line uh, in every <laughs> offense. <laughs> so it was really nice to see him uh, playing and hitting his three-point shootings. Uh, and about Asvel, without Nando De call, Asvel couldn't find a partner uh, to debust to score. And that's why they and he run out of gas in the fourth, in the fourth quarter and kind of starting to make bad decisions. Uh, but yeah, it's really nice to see Bayern proving themselves with their team almost uh, healthy. So I'm looking forward to see uh, their next campaign next year. Yeah, Obst is, is pretty good. He's a pretty good shooter, so you shouldn't leave him up. And I agree with you, Tiago. Diog, what about you? What? How did you saw this game? Yeah, I, I 100% agree with, with Tiago's takes. I mean, having Lucic out again uh, was obviously going to hurt Bayern, uh, and they struggled uh, a little bit to, to beat Asvel. But in the end, I mean, Asvel without Nanu Dicolo, uh, Dibost needed uh, their partner to, to help him lead this team. And even though they, they did a pretty good job defensively outside of that, uh, leaving Obst alone uh, on the three-point line, uh, they usually are a pretty good defensive team. So it was a hard-fought game. And, and Bayern with those 20 offensive rebounds, obviously that, that made the difference. So in the end, Asvel just didn't have enough. Uh, obviously, Nando Ducolo is their best player. So that was pretty... That late scratch was tough for them. And Bayern got it done. Absolutely. Let's move on onto the day two, where the best home court of the competition had a hard test but survived. Maccabi received and beat at Fenerbahce 78-74. The MVP of the game was John Di Bartolomeo. He had 10 points, six, six rebounds, three assists, and four steals. Sorkin had 10 points, five rebounds, two assists, and one steal. And Pierre was the best one for Fenerbahce with 15 points. Eight rebounds, three assists, and one block. 
Fenerbahce started this game better, being ahead eight points in the end of the first quarter. According to Itudi's halftime interview, the team got arrogant in that moment and lost focus. We saw Maccabi being able to pick up their energy and with big performances off the bench from Sorkin and Di Bartolomeu come back into the game and get this win. This bunch of performances were key for this win and Maccabi gave another big step in direction of the playoffs. How fun is to see this uh, Maccabi team playing in front of their home crowd, Tiago? It's really nice to see them. First of all, I want to uh, shout out Diogo because he said that Lorenzo couldn't have a back-to-back off day and this boy delivered. Uh, <laughs> yes, <sir. laughs> but it's really nice to see uh, Maccabi's bench delivering too because you guys know that Sorkin is one of my favorite players. When he plays aggressive, it's really nice to see him playing. And Di Bartolomeu, man, he's, he's a bucket, bucket getter, so... Uh, shout out for him too. Secondly, it was really nice to see them fighting and being united until the end because uh, in the first quarter they were losing and they picked up their energy to to win this Fenerbahce team. Uh, but in my opinion, Maccabi needs to find some other way to score other than ISO situation. They only had 10 assists in the whole game. It's really bad for, for their offense. But in the other end, Fenerbahce struggled a lot in the three-point line, and that's why they lost this one, in my opinion, uh, plus the fact that uh, they couldn't feed their centers because Maccabi is a really physical team. So, uh, in my opinion, this was the key for this game. Yeah, uh, I think the, the best part about everything that you just said is the, the assist numbers for Maccabi. Uh, I think they struggled a lot on the off-court offense, and I think that was a big reason for them to, to start the game down. Um, Fenerbahce played a, a very good game to start. They, they were getting stops and they were playing elite defense. And then on offense, they were just trying to play in transitions and take advantage of mismatches. Uh, Pierre and Nigel Hayes-Davis, uh, they dominated the paint early on. And what, like we said, while Maccabi was struggling on the half-court offense, but once they started to get some stops and push the pace, they, they, got, they got back in it. Uh, Sorkin and DiBartolomeu were great off the bench. And Lorenzo scoring the ball at a high level, uh, like we said, he, he couldn't have back-to-back bad games, and he showed up when this team needed him the most. So I think Maccabi played very good uh, outside of the first quarter. I think they played a very good game. And Fenerbahce, after dominating Virtus, uh, they struggled a lot from three in this game, and I think they needed uh, Wilbekin to be a, a more aggressive uh, scorer. Uh, he only had seven points, and I think they really needed him in that game. so But this is a great win for Maccabi, obviously against one of the best teams in the league. And they are close to solidifying their position uh, on the playoffs. So it, it was very good for them. It was a massive win. And as we explored before, they have a, a favorable schedule ahead. So I think Maccabi has a really good shot to, to be in the playoffs uh, of this edition of the EuroLeague. Uh, and like you guys said, it's crucial for them to be able to compete on the glass and to run and to step up their pace. They they really thrive when they are able to do that. But let's move on to Serbia, where Red Star received and beated FS 94-75. The MVP of the game and the leader and the player that showed the, the home team the way for the victory was Facundo Campazzo. He had 22 points, 3 rebounds, 7, po- seven assists and 1 steal. Mitrovic had 10 points, 4 rebounds and 3 assists. 
while Will Clyburn was the best for the visitors with 12 points, 9 rebounds and 4 assists. Efes was able to have a 7-point lead at some point of the, the first half, but Red Star answered and was ahead by 4 points at halftime. The home team followed the lead of Campazzo. They played with high energy and confidence on both sides of the floor. And in the fourth quarter, Red Star locked down a short and fatigued Efes allowing only 8 points and securing this win. With Larkin being a light scratch to this game and uh, the team already down Misich, we could see signs of uh, some fatigue from the defending uh, champions late in the game. Efes um, started a real good way uh, feeding the, their mismatch uh, with Zizic, scoring some easy baskets. He played really good. But then Campazzo started pushing the pace and Cervantes Vesa started hitting some shots from three, some easy shots. Uh, guys like Dobrich, who were shooting like under under 30%, will have a better field goal, in my opinion, uh, with them playing with Campazzo. A uh, shout-out to Campazzo, too, because he was really hot from three, uh, scoring like three triples in the same spot, in the in the same span. So it was really good to see him on the court and being aggressive. On the second quarter, uh, F is starting looking for other mismatch with uh, Clyburn, playing, giving a clinic from the mid-range shot. But F is kind of run out of gas uh, because of their own fault, because Cervantes Vesa started to double-teaming at some points uh, in the second half, and they wanted to play ISO situations with, or two-on-two situations, not involving the whole team. When they involve the whole team, they get easy baskets. Then Campazzo took over on transitions in the end of the game, and uh, and... Uh, FS aspirations. Shout out to Cervantes Vesa Biggs, uh, Ben Bentil, for example, who played really good and found ways to score easy baskets playing with each other. Uh, and they were lacking this on previous matches, in my opinion. Yeah, uh, first of all, I just want to say that uh, about FS, um, with Misic being hurt and then Larkin also a late scratch and Bobois uh, getting hurt uh, in the middle of the game as well. They, they've been playing basketball for a long time with the, those back-to-back championships. So maybe there is champion, uh, champion fatigue here. And it's not like they're a young team. They have a lot of vets. So maybe that's catching up to them. Uh, I hope not. But uh, Tiago, I think I can hear Diogo's hope fading away slowly. <laughs> <laughs> Thank no, God. I, I, no, I was no. thinking that it was kind of like delusional, so I think uh, <laughs> it's back to being normal. <laughs> no, not del- delusional at all, because their schedule is still the, the easiest schedule remaining. Uh, so I think Message should be back next week, probably. And Larkin, uh, we don't know much, but I, I hope it was nothing serious. Uh, I still think they're going to make the playoffs. And like we, we talked about on the previous episode, Andre. Barcelona better hope that they don't catch FS in the first round. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, to, uh, getting to the game, uh, Red Star is just a much better team with Campazzo, obviously. Uh, the way you can push the pace and uh, and have that team run, run and gun, uh, is is very good to see. He played a very good game. And Nedovic off the bench uh, was very good in the first half, especially. Um, the way they are bringing Campazzo, Nedovic and Petrusev off the bench, uh, I would say they are, they are their three best players and they're all coming off the bench. So that's a, a nice luxury to have. Um, and at home, they are a great team. They, they had a very good second half, especially that fourth quarter. And if only they had that win against Bayern, man, uh, they would have been 
so close to, to be in the playoffs. So that kind of sucks for them. But this is a very good win and, and could matter a lot uh, in the future. So we'll see what happens next, but but a very good win for for Red Star. That one and also the the game against Alba at home. Uh, it, it's yeah. too, it's like games that probably will cost them the playoffs. But this team is fun to watch, and the note you just had about bringing those three players out of the bench. I think Ivanovic does it by design. They try to keep the game close and then have an advantage in that moment, and it's very very clever of him to do it. It's a team that I enjoy a lot to watch. It's kind of like Milano. It's it's in a way it's sad that it's a bit too late for them but i hope they keep building and we can see them at a very high level on the on the next uh, on the next season being big part of the euroleague and performing at uh, at this level we were speaking about uh, bad matchups for the for the teams catching efforts on the first round of the playoffs and uh, we spoke about olympiacos kind of not deserving it we can think about real madrid struggling with with teams that have very good guard play so they will probably also struggle with fs that um, barcelona were hope not to catch fs so i don't think nobody will be happy to catch them in the first round of the playoffs and have to to play against them but i think at this point i think it's too late for them to to start doing the things that they need to do to to be champions in the end uh, they need to to share the ball more. They need to run more. I think they have the talent with these injuries and uh, with the fact that they haven't done it until now. I think it just might be a bit too late for them to get into the rhythm that they need to be to to win it all. But they have a good schedule ahead. They can um, catch lightning on a bottle and uh, start performing at that high level and peak exactly at the start of the playoffs. And they can be a nightmare. But I I would say that the chances for them to, to be champions are on the lower side at this moment. Let's see what they show us the rest of the way. But let's... Yeah, I think it's going to be a similar story to last year. And then EuroLeague is going to have the documentary again. So, <laughs> delusional. No, nah, I'm not delusional. No, you that, are that... delusional for having Olympiacos number one in your power rankings. <laughs> uh, no, nah, but FH has... Two of the top five players in EuroLeague, at least in my opinion. So uh, I, I think they're still in the fight. Obviously, with the injuries and stuff, it, it hurts them. And But like you said, their schedule uh, is the easiest one remaining. Uh, so I think they have a, a very good chance of making the playoffs. Obviously, not a very good chance of winning the championship. But I think once they get in the playoffs, I think they can match up pretty well with against any team. So let's see what happens. I absolutely agree with you. It's, it doesn't get much better than having Misic, Larkin and Will Clyburn in a playoff series. You cannot yeah. ask for much more than that. And those are the type of players that are difference makers in those moments and the type of players that you want to have. And they have the roster and the solutions. They are just not performing yet. They might get there. But let's end this episode with the last game of this round. And it was yeah. Again. Talk about delusional now, Tiago. Now I know. <laughs> now I know there will be a roast on me. Come on. <laughs> we we have this healthy competition going on between the three of us, and we make our picks and we we argue. And uh, 
Tiag really surprised us with picking Paratinaikas, but we will give him a chance to justify to justify his pick. I think he was just trying to shine and look like the the most clever person in the room. But we will get to it. The the round ended in Monaco, uh, where the the home team received and defeated Paratinaikas, eighty four seventy. The MVP of the game was Alpha Diallo. He had eighteen points, eight rebounds, one assist, and one steal. Jordan Lloyd had a very good game again with eighteen points, two assists, and one steal. Ponitka is uh, getting back to his usual self and uh, had a, a good game for the, the visiting team with 11 points, 6 rebounds, 1 assist and 1 steal. Paratinaikos was able to fight and stay in the game for almost 3 quarters, being down 3 points with less than 1 minute to play on the third but in that moment, Monuk tightened up the engines and went on a 19-2 run to secure this win. I wanted to have a special shout out to the promising Alexandr Samutrov, the promising 17-year-old Greek player a 6'11 to 110 centimeters forward was able to show some very nice flashes late in garbage time and this is a player we should be looking at in the future of the, the EuroLeague. Tiago, you surprised us as we spoke about so what could Paratinakus have done or what did you saw them doing to, to be able to get this win that they didn't? Defending myself, I only picked Paratinakus uh because in my perspective, Monaco struggles a lot uh, playing with bigger teams and with elite wings. And it's what uh, Panathinaikos brings to the table. And they're not defending that well. So I thought that Panathinaikos' firepower and athleticism could make damage on this Monaco team. I know that they were in favors, but I want to be the clever person in the room. Uh, <laughs> for them to win this game, I think that... Um, Panathinaikos should have played with uh, Dwayne Bacon and Derek in the wings instead of Derek playing at the four because Monaco is, like I said, uh, lacking some wing defense. About the game, what stands out the most uh, was Monaco offensive rebound. I wasn't expecting this because uh, Pan- if Panathinaikos can control that part of the game, uh, they will for sure lose against this Monaco team because they will uh, punish them. Uh, and the massive turnovers of that Panathinaikos did. This is a clear sign that uh, they need a floor general uh, for next season. We already spoke about that. So it's my text about this game. Yogo, what you thought about this one? And uh, I'm sorry for pick uh, Panathinaikos. No, you, t- you took you took a gamble, and we respect you for that. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah, yes. yeah. It's it's okay, my delusional friend. It's okay. <laughs> Uh, now uh, we've been talking about how Monaco, um, how the difference from Monaco and like a team like Basconia was that Monaco has certain pieces that can contribute defensively and step up, and they did that. The, they were good enough defensively. They forced 18 Panathinaikos turnovers, and playing at home, uh, they had to take advantage of a Fenerbahce loss against Maccabi, so they had to win this one, and, and they did just that. Uh, they now stand at fourth place, so. They have the home court advantage over Fenerbahce now. And Jordan Lloyd and Alpha Diallo were pretty good offensively with 18 points each. And Panathinaikos, I mean, obviously, they, they've been struggling. They don't have their backup big uh, due to injuries. So they're kind of short on, on that front. And it's now their sixth straight loss. So I think they need to figure some things out for next year because I, I think they have the talent. Um but at the point guard position, I think Paris Lee is more of a, a backup point guard in the EuroLeague level. So I think they, they need to find that guy to, to play their, the star minutes for uh, as a point guard. Um, and I think they need a, a center because Papa Giannis obviously is very tall. He is a lob threat. 
But I think they need they need a guy that they can give the ball to and let him play in the post. But other than that, they they have the talent with Grigonich, Bacon, Derek Williams. So we'll see what they can do. But it was a good win for Monaco because it allows them to fight for that home court advantage. Paratinakas is one of those teams that has a good roster in place. They are just missing their top players. And if they, they manage to find it, they, they will be back to be competitive and one of the top teams in the EuroLeague. Very well, guys. This was a very good episode. This was another European Hoops episode. Make sure you guys tune in Monday when we will be recapping all the action of round 28 and we will be looking into the standings after this doubleheader. Subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss any episodes and follow us on Twitter at Itos Euroleague, where we bring you any news that break about the competition, must-watch games, injury reports, and our trades in the end of each day of the competition, bringing you all the highlights of the action. My name is André, and I'll be seeing you guys soon. Hope you guys enjoyed the same as we did, and stay tuned for more. Bye, guys. See you on next episode.